are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thursday edition of Locked On NBA, David Locke along with Washington Post National columnist Ben Golliver. I'm sitting in the middle of Vivint Arena where the Utah Jazz just beat the Brooklyn Nets. Ben Golliver is in some national forest somewhere where it's beautiful, right? I wish. I'm at my home in Los Angeles. So let me ask, how did it look there with Utah just absolutely destroying the Brooklyn Nets? I can't believe they held Katie, Kyrie, James Harden, and Blake Griffin to 88 points. What happened? Um, (laughs) KD, Kyrie, James Harden, and Blake Griffin did not play tonight. So this was not – Oh, man. This was not – you know what, though? It's interesting, and, you know – we saw this actually a little bit last year with the Lakers. Like, you go on these West Coast trips, and, like, you can go get Portland, and they're going to play Detroit on the road. Like, you actually, and you're going to rest. Like, you do it against the better teams. Like, why exert it? And Harden was beat up a little bit, and it makes sense. I mean, this was a this was not a close contest. The Jazz probably could use it. They're coming back on a long road trip, and they got a scrimmage in. And that's the other one I thought was interesting about this is some of these games that you might not go as hard or things – with so limited practice right now, what the Jazz got tonight was actually a glorified scrimmage. It's an amazing box score. I mean, you know, Utah's starting lineup basically all in the plus 30s from a plus-minus perspective. They only play half the game, so that's exactly what you expect when the, uh, the varsity scrimmages the JV, right? At least that's what you hope for. I do think that not only was this kind of a schedule loss, you know, intentionally so from Brooklyn's standpoint like you're describing, I think this could be the beginning of a trend that we might see down the stretch of this season. Um, You know, we're reaching the point where if guys get injured, you know, that could potentially impact their availability for the playoffs. Maybe we're not quite there yet, but once you get into that like four to six week zone before the playoffs, I do think you're going to probably see some coaches, some teams start to be a little bit more strategic with when they're resting guys, um, how they're handling back to backs and just what they're doing with their overall minutes load because you're seeing it right now with the Lakers. I mean, LeBron goes down potentially for what, what it might be a month, and they're going to struggle to win any games in his absence. If that injury was timed a little bit later in this, uh, you know, this season, it could be disastrous in terms of their you know, standing, in terms of their matchup ability uh, in the playoffs and all those kinds of things as well. So I actually think this could be kind of the, uh, the beginning of a, a tough stretch for fans potentially if some of these teams start really aggressively resting their guys whether it's on national TV or not. You're playing so many games in so few days right now. I'm like, you really have just added one more game to, to every week's schedule than what we used to have. The Jazz are playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Monday coming up here. Like, that is just, everyone's doing this. And then if you get any cancellations, we haven't had any cancellations in a while, and it seems to be slowing down in that regard, but there seems to be a lot. All right, let's get to Toronto. That was the kind of moving, emotional night. Of course, only in the NBA does Drake call while you're on a Zoom. Toronto blows out (laughs) Denver, which I actually think has, like, is the untalked-about story. Is it, like, as Denver's the team to me as we walk into this trade deadline that I feel like is the is the piece away from suddenly becoming a real title contender. But the talk is Lowry and Norman Powell in Toronto that was, uh, and a historic night. One of our own on the Lockdown Podcast Network, part of the five woman crew uh, doing the all women's broadcast there in Toronto. So a uh, lot of stories there. But obviously the big story, Kyle Lowry with his eight point five rebound, nine assists plus 42 final night maybe in Toronto. 
Absolutely. I think there's trade angles on both sides of this game, right? So with Toronto, to me, this kind of felt like a going away game, right? Like send off Kyle Lowry on a high note. That's probably why Drake popped into the, uh, to the Zoom call. I think a lot of people are assuming that a trade is going to get done before tomorrow's deadline. And there's probably a pretty good chance Kyle Lowry is the biggest name moved on Thursday. I think it's the right time for Toronto to pull the plug. I actually think it would be pretty smart of them to sell high on Norman Powell as well. Those scoring wings that are in the middle of career years can get really expensive in free agency. They have already paid um, Fred Van Vliet. They've already paid OG Ananobi. And, of course, they've got Pascal Siakam locked in long-term. Uh, personally, I would be interested in, in trading both Lowry uh, and Powell, play it for the future, get back whatever draft picks and salary cap flexibility you can, and just go forward. I love your point on Denver, though. I see two teams in the Western Conference I really think should be buyers. All year long, Jokic has just been doing absolutely heroic work for the Nuggets. He needs more stable help. He just needs more help, period. They lost a key player last year, or in free agency, I should say, before the season in Jeremy Grant. They need to go target somebody potentially to help fill in some of those minutes. I would love to see them in the mix as buyers here before Thursday's deadline. The other key buyer in the West that I see is the Los Angeles Clippers. I would like them to get a little jolt for their backcourt. I just don't think you can go into the playoffs in the Western Conference trusting Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, you know, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and, and that group, and think you're going to be able to get through with, with some of these matchups. To me, we haven't seen that elite perimeter defense this season consistently from Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, like we might have expected to see when they first teamed up. I would like to just see a little bit more backcourt pop, a little bit uh, of an addition there for that team as well. But uh uh, I think that both Denver and the Clippers should be even more motivated to make a move right now because of the Lakers' injury situation. The door is open, so they need to run through it. All right, let's go to Denver because I do. I think they're the most interesting team. They've been holding on to a ton of pieces uh, over the last period of time. First of all, do Millsap's not giving them much anymore. Michael Porter Jr. has been fabulous but really could play the three. If they go get Aaron Gordon... Aaron Gordon at 18 million. They could do that with a Gary Harrison draft picks. They could probably do it with a Will Barton and another piece. Um, and and maybe they want R.J. Hampton or 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 Zeke and Jai or Bull Bull. Um, does Aaron Gordon change the Denver Nuggets to you? Um, well, he makes them a lot more interesting and deeper. I would be trying to hold on to Will Barton for sure. I do think a player like Gary Harris could be expendable. I do think that Paul Millsap is more of a contract right now than a, a rotation player at this stage of his career. So if I was the Nuggets, I would be trying to play with those guys plus draft picks and see if you can get that deal done for Aaron Gordon. You know, I think he's a very average player across the board, Aaron Gordon. Like, I think that there's some moments where he kind of shines through and gives you a little bit uh, – it gives you good contributions. I also think at times he can be a little bit of a tease. It reminds me of the annual excitement that people would have around a player like a Jeff Green because he can play both forward positions and because he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, but we haven't seen Aaron Gordon do it at all in meaningful moments because he's been stuck down there in Orlando for so many years. So I'm rooting for an Aaron Gordon trade just on the, the fact that he needs a change of scenery, that I do think that this Orlando group needs to be uh, broken up a little bit. Um, I, I don't really see exactly what their direction is as a franchise, and I think it makes sense to uh, to move him for, for future pieces potentially. And I would love it for Denver because I just think that they're a, a player or two short right now 
and he would plug in and be a pretty smooth fit to that front court. What do you think? I was talking to an NBA scout who asked me, what does Aaron Gordon do well? <laughs> I've been saying that all week. We're on the same page, Lock. <laughs> I mean, like... I agree. Like I, I think there are players. Uh, this is actually, a, it's actually ironically enough, it's another Nugget player. This is actually how I felt about Wilson Chandler by the end, and that was the the concept of Wilson Chandler was outstanding. The reality was not, and I don't know. I mean, Aaron, the one thing I think you got to remember on Aaron Gordon is that Aaron Gordon is twenty five um, years old. Um, at, and so there's still a lot of growth. I mean, he was like the youngest player in the league for two years. And then, I do, you know, let's see, he's 6'8", 235. He's not a 40% three-point shooter. But I think, is there any other wing power forward type that you think is possibly moving on the market that could move the meter for Denver? Well, let me just say on Aaron Gordon, we've only seen him sort of be an average in every category in Orlando, but I think it's really important to remember he hasn't had a big-time point guard to help set him up, and he's never played with a player anywhere close to the caliber of a Nikola Jokic. And Jokic has a LeBron-like halo effect with his teammates around him. He's had an awful lot of very average wings come through Denver in the last couple of years. And he's helped a lot of those guys get paid, frankly, in, in various spots. And I think that Denver's whole calculation is like, look, a lot of these players are just replaceable. They look better when they play with Jokic, and we can bring somebody else in who's going to look you know, even better potentially um, you know, at, at a cheaper cost. Now, it would be a little bit of a financial gamble with Gordon from Denver's perspective. They've been a little bit reluctant to spend big money in the past. Um, of course, they weren't able to get things done with Jeremy Grant. And, you know, that could be just a smaller market mentality. It could be an ownership directive. I mean, it could also be a question in years past about whether this was the time to go for it. I guess what I'm saying is right now the time should be to go, uh, to go for it. Now is the time. I would do it, and I would be very interested in finding a player who is athletic, who can cut off of Jokic, who is probably going to enjoy some wide-open shots with both Murray um, and Jokic when they're on the court together. So, um, I understand there could be other targets out there, other wings that might make sense, but I do think he should be at the top of their shopping list. It, it, w- would you have any names on anyone else? That I mean, I feel like the, I, I actually don't. So, do you have other names of wings well, you think salt uh, that make them better? I mean, the other the other kind of players in that mold, I think that you've seen bandied around would be like a Harrison Barnes. I mean, it's a little bit of a different look, but a player like a Norman Powell who's just giving you more pure scoring pop on the wing, just one more guy you have to kind of contend with. I mean, I think those are some of the, you know, Alonzo Ball is more of a 3 and D option probably in Denver than he would be maybe used in some other places, but I actually think that's his best role. But I think a lot of those guys are potentially, because they're upcoming free agents, in the case of Powell, and ball, they're probably going to be landing in places that are ready, if they do move, that are ready to pay them big money to keep them this summer. And I'm not sure that's going to be Denver's mentality. So that's why I actually think, look, if you can get Aaron Gordon on his salary uh, number and you can avoid paying Lonzo's next contract, which might be you know, $20 million plus uh, on, on four years, uh, could easily happen for a player like Alonzo Ball. And I'm seeing similar numbers rumored for a player like Norman Powell as well. It's a little bit of a money ball move, you know, from a standpoint of targeting Aaron Gordon. So to me, that would be worth it for them to invest the draft picks, whatever it takes to get Orlando to bite. I would do it. He's Ben Golliver of the Washington Post. David Locke along with you. We are 
going to break down the Clippers as we continue coming up here in just a second. Have you heard about Sports Trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robinhood for fantasy sports. Platform allows you to buy or sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. Finally, are you buying or selling the Aaron Gordon stock? A fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. Making money with Sports Trade is as simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistics performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in a game and the more points scored the higher the value goes two good old supply and demand baby the more demand a player has the higher the value goes and when you're ready to buy shares pick the penny stock in a rookie with a huge upside or grab the blue chip vet who's always a solid performer simply go to sporttrade.com watch the how it works video and then sign up to get started sign up today at sportstrade.com sport trade.com discover the fun and exciting profitable new way of sport trading the truly evolutionary version of fantasy sports you'll be amazed don't sit on the sidelines any longer get in the game with sporttrade.com have you grabbed locked on bets yet it is our gambling podcast it's there for you it's 15 to 20 minutes every day lee sterling your boy q brought to you by bet online .ag bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your sports action. Football might be over the NBA, basketball and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows and reality show. Bet online has covered all the news, scores and odds include they've had a lot of fun with a trade deadline with lines on each player's. Go to bet online your sports book experts promo code locked on gets you a 50% welcome bonus. Clippers, you said it. Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Luke Kennard's not going to get it done. It got it done tonight, by the way. They blew out the San Antonio Spurs 134-101, so that was pretty strong. Who's the player that moves the Clippers? Right now, do you, let's ask me the first question. Clippers do nothing. Are they a title contender in the West? They are just because the door's been open with these Lakers injuries. But I think before, you know, if, we're, if you're telling me that LeBron and AD are going to be healthy for the playoffs, I say no. Um, I'm not even sure they're going to necessarily make the Western Conference Finals. They have been a very, very aggravating team to watch this year. They really shoot themselves in the foot a lot down the stretch of games. They settle for a ton of jumpers. Paul George has blamed the officials, I swear, after at least five losses this year. That's not even an exaggeration. He was fined recently for, for going after the referees yet again. They need help. They need an injection of shakeup. The problem is they don't have a ton to part with. So it could be a situation where maybe they're taking on a player who has some uh, you know multi-year salary coming back that another team is just trying to unload. But almost anything would help them um, in that situation. I know they've been linked to the you know, Lonzo Ball. I don't really see that one. Um, you know, coming together, I feel like other teams will be able to do, a, uh, you know, to bid higher than the Clippers can. You know, they've been linked to Rajon Rondo, I believe, in rumors. Maybe those have cooled off a little bit. Um, how much would he help them? That's kind of open for debate. But he was much better last year in a structured environment with established superstars and veterans with the Lakers than he's been so far uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. A dream fit, maybe. I mean, they, could they go out and get a guy like Devontae Graham? as just a, you know, a kind of quick bucket getter. I mean, maybe he's not giving you uh, much different than what Lou Williams does, but um, you know, to me, Lou Williams, I just don't trust him in the playoffs. Maybe it's just a, you know, a little bit younger, fresher legs, uh, you know, potentially plugging in there. Um, there aren't a ton of great backcourt available options. I mean, they, they could look at, you know, George Hill, who's just kind of been hanging out, not really playing a ton uh, this season. Could they be desperate enough to try to make a move for Eric Bledsoe, who I know is 
been talked about as a guy who maybe they, uh, New Orleans would have to attach a pick to, to dump. I mean, is there some way they could try to plug in him, give him a very simple role, and see what he can bring to the table? I don't know. I mean, these aren't great options, Locke. Do you have any uh, well, cleaner I, fit that I, you like? I think the bigger picture is what do they have to offer, right? So I keep trying to play around with, like, various trade machines. They have Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly to offer, right? Yeah, which if are they not, wanted to which get are really not, aggressive, I mean, Zubak would probably be their most intriguing piece, but they probably don't want to move him. Um, and then their other young guys are not really going to move the needle. And they have no picks left, right? Correct, yes. They're pretty much out of their picks for an awful long time. At least they're good first-round picks. So, um, you know, that's why I was saying it could be a situation where maybe you're you're trading Lou Williams' expiring contract for a player who's got future money owed to him that the other team is just kind of saying, hey, we want to just get rid of paying this guy. We'd rather have, uh, you know, some cap flexibility this summer. And you throw in some second-round picks. I mean, that's kind of what you've got to work with. You don't think there's any chance that, like, Kyle Lowry's already agreed to a buyout with the Raptors and he's going to choose his team, do you? I feel like it's more likely he just gets traded to Miami because they've got some expiring contracts to make it work and that, you know, they wind up kind of having the next deal lined up and, He's just on the heat for the next couple of years. If I had to guess, like, gun to my head, that would be what I would guess uh, would happen. But, the bi- I mean, look, he acted today. Like, the body language, the vibe around that entire game was that that was his going-away game for Toronto. So, if he's back with the Raptors, it's going to be very strange for everybody involved. I mean, it seems to me – I agree with you on that. And so, we just laid out what the Clippers have to offer. Like, it seems to me the Clippers can only play the buyout market other than George Hill, none of those point guards we talked about are buyout market point guards unless something funky's going on. Yeah, um, and that's why they're probably going to have to settle. I mean, like, you know, look, they're at the point where it's sort of like any help um, will help. And look, they, they found some pretty good moves last year with buyout moves. I mean, whether uh, Reggie Jackson gave them some minutes, Joe Kim Noah actually had to play some minutes in the playoffs for them. Now, these were not like major uh, you know, game-changing type players, but they were guys they wound up needing to to call on in some of those playoff situations. Now, you would hope this year's playoffs they would have fewer disruptions to the rotation than last year's, but you kind of never count on it these days. So, um, you know, it's a situation where, like, if they come out of this having done nothing, I think they're going to be, be viewed by everyone as losers because the current model hasn't been good enough. They still have a lot of the same old problems. And, you know, ultimately, like, a lot of those problems do trace back to their stars, the reliance on three-point shots, the kind of disappointing perimeter defense, the struggles to generate really good stuff late in games. I mean, those are not problems who are going to be solved by, like, a backup point guard that you find on the buyout market. Like, those are problems inherent to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And so this is more about, you know, kind of lipstick on the pig stuff as opposed to, like, a total transformation. The – other team that's really interesting to me is the Boston Celtics because the first question you have to ask yourself about the Boston Celtics, who've lost a very close game tonight to Milwaukee, kind of once again leaving you with that kind of thought of like maybe they are good enough. Like they're tonight they went back to Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Daniel Tice, and stopped fiddling around with semi Ojale as a starter or any of that kind of stuff. And they looked way better, right? But they're 21 and 22. They have been getting zero productivity out of the Gordon Hayward replacement position. If they go get an Aaron Gordon or someone of that sort so that they're really filling an almost zero with someone, 
Are they in the top four of the West and a contender with Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, or are they just too far away from that? I say no. I, I think they're toast. Look, I, I thought about a month ago that this was a team that really need to be buyers of the deadline. They have that trade exception. It was a situation where they could potentially go out and chase an Aaron Gordon or a Harrison Barnes. But the more I watch this team, the more I'm just convinced that they do not have the internal chemistry, the togetherness, the mental toughness, and the desire to win big this year. I just view them as a clear cut below those other top four teams. Um, you know, And I think that even if you're putting Aaron Gordon on that squad, it gives them a little bit more um, lineup versatility. But at the same time, you know, you're adding, you know, a big salary because you're probably using that trade exception to kind of make that thing happen. And you're still running into a situation where you're going to be held back by Kemba Walker in the playoffs. This guy is not getting to the basket like he used to. He's not getting, you know, clean layups, breaking guys off the dribble and, you know, drive and kick stuff like he used to. He's become very much a three-point specialist practically um you know in terms of an offensive player their ball movement is not good i think he's a part of that and he's getting really really frustrated lock i mean in the game tonight against the milwaukee bucks every time he goes to the basket he runs into a defensive wall can't turn the corner throws up some crazy shot and then immediately looks to the official for helps i'm telling you he talked to the refs in that game five six seven times at various points every single time because he's not, he's not getting anything out of his drives to the hoop. And that, to me, is a fundamental problem for them because you also have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who are more perimeter-oriented players who are not great drive-and-kick players for their teammates who are a little bit more comfortable working in isolation, and they just don't really have that straw that stirs the drink in terms of you know, a playmaking guard for teammates. And so even if you bring in Aaron Gordon, I think he's just standing around watching these guys go one-on-one like all of their other supporting big guys are doing right now. And, and that's not really going to make a huge difference for them. Unfortunately, they're not in a situation where they're probably going to be able to trade Kemba Walker's salary anytime soon. He's owed big money. He's had injury issues. I think Boston's best chance is just kind of punt this trade deadline, go back into the summer with that trade exception, hope you can find some help, and then just cross your fingers and hope that Kemba Walker can come back at 100% next year and that you know Jason Tatum – comes back sort of re-energized, refocused next season, and it looks like that guy he looked like before the, uh, the long layoff last year because we just haven't seen that from this group yet. Recap the rest of the games that happened and some of the buyout market players that might move a meter, Drummond, Aldridge, and all those. I, I had a conversation that you would have uh, appreciated, Ben. I was talking to a buddy of mine. He said he went into the uh, auto store today and he got bought himself – some oil, and as he's walking out, the guy's like, do you want a funnel? And he's like, yeah, so I probably need that. Do I look like that much of an idiot? And he's like, I'm sure you're good at something. So for those people out there that are the do-it-yourselfers, which is not that guy, not me, and really not my friend Ben Golliver either, I think. Is that a fair thing? You know what time it is, Ben. What's a funnel? But it's rock auto time. It is rock auto time. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto partner customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil, even new carpet, whether it's your classic or daily driver, everything you need. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional, the prices are the exact same. So when you go to rockauto.com, find the parts available for your car or truck, then write locked on in the how you hear about us section so you know who sent you amazing selection reliably low prices 
all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com, right? Locked on. And the auto parts, and in fact, for those people, Ben uh, John Corrales, host of Locked on NBA, I sent me the other day, got a text from a listener. who's like, thank you so much. You saved me $250 on this. It was all fired yes. up about it. So you got to love that. All right, Ben Golliver, the enticing eight is set. Cookies and cream, coconut almond, cookie dough crunch chunk, birthday cake, coconut brownie chunk, caramel brownie, coconut puff, and mint brownie. Of those eight built bar flavors, your peanut butter went out. Peanut butter brownie went out in the second round, Locked. got beat by coconut almond. This is crazy, Locke. There's no way there's eight better flavors than peanut butter. I'm going to understand if you're going to say, okay, cookies and cream, maybe that's better than peanut butter. Fine. I will listen to that argument. I'm not going to listen to any argument that says peanut butter tops out at the ninth best flavor of Bill Park. Get out of here, man. Well, who's, I, who's, who's running this tournament, Locke? I'm telling you what. There's been a dominant conference that's overridden everything else, and that is the Coconut Conference. Coconut almond, <laughs> coconut puffy, coconut brownie chunk – all advance to the enticing eight. Add in that, the chunk conference of coconut brownie chunk and cookie dough chunk, and you've got the new chunk flavors plus the coconut puff flavor. And peanut butter went out to coconut puff, and peanut butter brownie went out to coconut almond. It's insanity. I want to recount. I think I'm going cookies and cream from here going forward. I'm going to hop on their bandwagon, but I'm not happy about it. It is the BuiltBar.com brackets. Use promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off. Find out whether you think peanut butter is better than coconut puff or peanut butter brownie is better than coconut almond. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get your Built Bar order there for you. Trade deadline special going on on Lockdown Live. Uh, Depending when you're listening to this, it may be going on right now for four hours before the deadline with Nick Angstead, John Corrales, and the rest of our Lockdown NBA crew. That'll be going on. Uh, I'd love to be joining you, but I'm going to get my second shot tomorrow, so I'll be doing that instead. How's that? Um, All right, let's quickly recap. You're supposed to be excited for me for that, by the way. I'm just jealous. I'm stuck in between my two shots. April 8th is my date. So then at at some point, maybe we'll even be able to see each other. Maybe uh, Lakers, Jazz, Western Conference Finals, if we're lucky. Well, here's an interesting one that happened tonight. Phoenix surprisingly lost to Orlando, and the Utah Jazz are now three games up for the number one seed in the Western Conference, which is beginning to get to be a lot, by the way. We'll see whether that holds or not. Um, They've got three of their next four games coming up against a Memphis team that beat Oklahoma City tonight, 116-107. Does anyone end up with Al Horford? He played 26 minutes tonight, would lead you to believe they may not be playing to move him. I think Al Horford is the game changer here. It's a really interesting name. This kind of comes back to one of my test case theories about this deadline. Will anyone really want to take on bigger long-term salaries? Or is that going to be a no-no because everyone's kind of pinched by the pandemic finances, not having as many fans in the building? Because Al Horford's been solid for Oklahoma City. They've kind of managed his role there. So um, they've tried to put him in situations where he can look as, as good as he can. But he's still a starting-level center for a good team, and he is an upgrade over a number of playoff team centers, including the Boston Celtics who we were talking about earlier, right? But does the contract become even more prohibitive in these kinds of trade discussions um, because of the pandemic. I think that's kind of my question. There could be a lot of different reasons why we don't see a ton of activity if it is a quiet deadline. 
I think a lot of people have focused on this idea of the play-in tournament and there not being as many sellers because those teams are really looking to try to get into the playoffs um, compared to a normal year. That's certainly possible. But I also think the financial angle is one to look. And I would love to see Al Horford on a contender. I think he probably would too because there's not really a ton of point for him in Oklahoma City. I'm just not sure which team is willing to take on all that money. Do you have a favorite? Um, I don't have anyone, but I think he's the player who would have made that big a difference. Um, and I, I don't, like, honestly, my deal was him going to Charlotte. Partially because I, I thought like it would have been so much fun to have Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, and Al Horford together beating the Celtics. But um, <laughs> <laughs> No, I really thought, like, I thought he playing off LaMelo, and I thought that was the, like, hidden move, is that he somehow slides into Charlotte. It's a really, really interesting idea. I mean, they have a big hole in the middle. They've been linked to a lot of different possible either upcoming free agent centers or guys who could be bought out or, you know, trade possibilities in the middle. Um, look, if, if their goal is to reach the playoffs, which we know it's their goal because, that's, you know, Michael's going for that every single year. It doesn't always work out, but that's why he paid Gordon Hayward. That's why he's made a lot. That's why he made sure he got Rozier back. I um, mean, that Kemba deal, rather than just, you know, letting the, the money go out, he's always trying to get upward momentum. There would be a stabilizing impact there. there there's no question. You know, looking ahead, you know, what does LaMelo and Al Horford look like next year? I mean, there's going to be questions stylistically. Can Al Horford keep up from a pace standpoint with how Charlotte's going to want to play going forward? But he's going to be out of the way. You know, he's going to be able to set screens. He's going to be able to pick and pop with LaMelo they're still going to be kind of a, a team that's going to have really good spacing and the ability to, to attack the hoop if they did trade for him. So I actually give that uh, that concept a thumbs up. I, I like that one, Mike. I don't think you need five guys to keep up with Lamelo. I think that's always a mistake people <laughs> make. No, I really do. Like if you're if you're fast break, like the trailer is just important. Is that you know Horford is the trailer who swings and creates is a pretty important little piece there. Um, Oh, I hear you. And nobody plays transition defense anymore anyway, so as long as you've got two wings who can run, you're probably fine. <laughs> right. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond, do either of them get moved tomorrow? Or today? Depending uh, when people are listening. Yeah this, goes, yeah, this goes back to the whole financial thing. I kind of think both are more likely as buyouts, but I would expect both to be on different teams once the dust uh, settles. What's interesting for Drummond is, does he try to choose a team like Charlotte, or like New York that could potentially have a bigger role for him to put up numbers, or does he just go for the, the pure ring chase gravy train for Brooklyn or the Clippers or the Lakers, right? Because he's much younger than a lot of these other buyout guys, whether it's PJ Tucker or Aldridge, he is an upcoming free agent going to want to play his way into another contract. And, you know, he's more recently a star in terms of at least, at least uh, an all-star selection than some of these other players who have been in the buyout conversation. So I'm very curious, what is Andre Drummond's priorities? What's motivating him at this stage of his career? Because I could see it go both ways. I could see, you know, going to Brooklyn, having a really fun uh, postseason run, potentially winning a title, and then, okay, now maybe they re-sign me or or maybe I just get a, a big visibility for my next contract. That could make a lot of sense for him. But I could see him trying to find his next landing spot with a Charlotte or a New York or whoever else it might be with some flexibility to pay him going forward and saying, Hey, maybe that's what I would prefer instead. And as we're recording this, a trade has been made. The Detroit Pistons are trading DeLon Wright to Sacramento for Corey Joseph and two second round picks. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure this one really moves the needle. Um, I'm surprised they were able to get uh, two second-round picks um, for DeLon Wright. But, um, you know, Corey Joseph, I think, wasn't exactly what Sacramento was hoping he would be when they grabbed him. Do you remember there was like a solid, I don't know, nine-month window there where Corey Joseph seemed like he had a lot of upside um, as a player, and it just kind of fell flat. You know, he's a very heady player, and I think that there was this idea, hey, maybe – he could be the stand-in starting point guard in certain situations. And I just don't think it really ever materialized for them. They've got a nice backcourt developing. I kind of like DeLon Wright. He's got some good size. You throw them together with, uh, you know, Halliburton and Fox. That's not, not the worst rotation, but, um, you know, I'm not sure that this one does much either way. What do you think? I'm not sure it's that big a move, and I hope we don't have a day of moves like that. That, that, that would be the bummer, right, is a day of moves like that. A Kyle Lowry and Aaron Gordon – a few move, a surprise move somewhere. Pascal Siakam with all the drama there. Ooh, who knows? Something like that happens and we have a good day. Otherwise, if it's DeLon Wright for Corey Joseph, we move on in boredom. <laughs> well, let me ask you, do you want you or maybe it's, it's a difficult spot for you to be in, but do you expect Utah to, uh, to do anything? Or are they just a team sitting pretty with their rotation? Um. I think you have to be really careful at this trade. I'm going to answer this in a general sense. Unless you have a huge gap, Boston, that small forward position, Clippers, that point guard position, Nuggets, that power forward position, unless you have a mammoth gap, I think you have to be very careful to trade for someone who you're going to have for seven weeks and six practices. Like, these teams are going to have – there's a league rule that you have to have a day off every X amount of days. If these teams are playing four games a week or five games a week like they are, you actually can't practice every week. The testing makes it impossible to have shoot-around in a bunch of circumstances. Teams are literally going through shoot-arounds in hotel lobbies four at a time because they can't all get together in the hotel lobby because that's too many people in a room. So I think you have to be crazy careful to add someone to your roster that you're going to plug in unless they're, it's such an unbelievable talent improvement. Specifically the Jazz, I just don't see that player that they can add to this mix that dramatically changes who they are. Now, are they going to sneak into the buyout market on some unknown player? Maybe. But I don't think they're getting anything that's not a break in case of you know break glass in case of emergency player, and so also if you're signing someone as a buyout market, they better be willing to come to Utah and maybe not play. Yeah, for sure, because you've got so many roles to find there. I think it's a great point. This thing about the lack of practice, you know, crunch schedule and just difficult circumstances is actually one reason why I think I might be a little bit more worried about the Lakers than everybody else. They're going to have multiple transitions they've got to you know, handle here between now and the playoffs, right? It's the Anthony Davis coming back probably will be first. So he's got to reacclimate with his teammates. Then you've got LeBron coming back and everything is going to be shaken up again. There could be another one if they do make any moves with buyout guys who are actually going to play rotation minutes for them or if they make any other trades. And then they're going to have the real ramp up to the playoff intensity type um, you know, situation. And frankly, they could be falling back into the play-in mix which would add a level of anxiety and stress that they surely were not expecting before LeBron's injury, right? That's an awful lot to deal with when you're in this weird in-between time 
um, you know, with, with the lack of practices that you're describing and everything else. I think when you're looking at teams like, say, Denver or Utah that are really more continuity-based team, have groups that have played together for a while, have had relatively good health here recently, I think that could actually be an advantage in those matchups for them against the Lakers. I would probably still pick the Lakers as long as LeBron and AD are healthy, but I think those matchups get a lot more interesting and it just becomes a, a tougher degree of difficulty thing for the Lakers down the stretch than, than they were anticipating. So uh, I would just encourage people like, don't just rush to the conclusion of, well, when LeBron's back, everything is solved because the Lakers continuity and health were critical ingredients of their postseason run last year. Everybody focused on the talent part, rightfully so, but they had basically perfect health through the entire bubble from all their main guys, with the exception of that injury for Rondo. And they had perfect health for their superstars, other than an ankle tweak for AD, which never sidelined him. And I think that those factors are absolutely crucial, as we're seeing right now, given with the Lakers' struggles uh, without LeBron here the last week. And let's just say it now, the play-in concept is the greatest thing ever. Like, watching the Lakers <laughs> toward the seventh seed is going to be the number one story in the NBA for the next three weeks. Well, think about how much money the NBA could lose if the Lakers wind up not clearing the play-in round and like they would oh. have been the seventh seed oh. and in the playoffs. Oh. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars potentially over the course <laughs> of multiple rounds, right? But here's the thing, Locke. You could have a play-in round with LeBron, Luka, Steph, and Dame. That's crazy. Okay. Seems unlikely because I think Luka's got to catch the Lakers. I know the Spurs could do it. But you could just put in Zion's name instead. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Now, all of a sudden, they want to expand the playing round even more, right? We got all these great shows. We don't want anybody going home. We got to play more games. It's, um, it's going to be wacky. It's going to be really, really wacky. And it absolutely favors the teams that have been steady Eddie this season, namely Utah and Phoenix. Um, you know, look, you don't want to have to face the Lakers if they come out of that first-round matchup. And so that's another thing to watch. Will there be any shenanigans in the standings in terms of teams trying to duck the Lakers as a possible first-round opponent? Um, but to not have to deal with that stress, not have to deal with the winner-go-home stuff, to have the extra couple days of rest after the regular season, it's going to be a big advantage for those teams that have been at the top of the standing. He's Ben Golliver. Get his newsletter for the Washington Post. I enjoyed this week, so make sure you get it. It's always fun when it shows up in your inbox. You can do it at Ben Golliver's Twitter account, at Ben Golliver. I'm David Locke. Now tell your smart device to listen to the most recent episode of podcast Locked On Today. Have a good one.